Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. Okay, so we're going to pray and we'll get into that. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for all the fathers that are here. Uh, Father, and, and anyone that's here, Father, that grew up without a father, I thank you for Psalm 68 and verse 5 that you tell us that you are a father to the fatherless. So, Father, I thank you that whether we had an earthly father or not, we have you. So I thank you for that. Father, I thank you for the, also for those that are here that they stepped up and they were a father to someone that did not have a father. I thank you for that group of people. I thank you for the group that you even minister today to help anyone grieving that they've lost their father or they, they were without a father. And then, Father, I thank you that you minister today to anyone that has a strained relationship also with their fathers or fathers with children, Lord. So we thank you today as we look into your word that you minister, that you help, help me as I minister, Father. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So a young, a young boy's definition of father, it was this. It's just like Mother's Day, a Father's Day, that is. It's just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much. Okay? Another definition of father. A father is a man who carries pictures in his wallet where his money used to be. <laughs> Some of us can relate, huh? Now, the spiritual counselor had a session with a young lady. She was about 30 years old and single and crying, and she talked and shared her heart. And uh, it, it was evident in the discussion that she felt like getting married would solve all her problems and getting married would erase all the loneliness that she was experiencing and without marriage she was not going to do well so the counselor asked her what kind of man are you looking for and then the next 30 minutes she told the counselor this is the kind of man that I'm looking for and after hearing everything that she said the counselor thought well that man doesn't exist and uh, so he said, could you bring it down to just a few words? And she says, yes, I'm looking for the total man, the total man. And so we've heard that terminology before, the total man. And uh, really, uh, there, there is one total man. It's the, and you know, he is the, our heavenly father. If there's anyone that's a total man, it is our heavenly father. We're going to look at him today. But people put checklists together. Now, Patsy had a checklist and... Uh, this is when I was pursuing her and she had no interest in me. She was going through her checklist and I checked a, a number of those boxes, but there was this one box unchecked. It was that uh, she was looking for someone that had a missions heart, somebody that was wanting to go to the world to do missionary work. And, I, and she didn't tell me that, so I couldn't put on it. I couldn't fake it and say, say let's go to Alaska, you know. <laughs> Let's go to the North Pole and minister to the penguins or something, you know. 
So I couldn't fake it, and she never told me that. So I got invited to go on a missions trip, and a friend of mine. And my first, the first city that I landed that was overseas, the first time I left my home country and landed in a city to do missionary work, it happened to be Paris, France. <laughs> Somebody needs to do missionary work in those places. <laughs> but that's just where it ended. And, and in, that, in that trip, we ended up in East Germany, and it was not too long after communism fell. So there was a lot of things that were very touching. And I was changed. You know, missions trips change you. I mean, you go on a mission trip because you want to help other people and see them changed. But the, the truth of the matter is you're always more changed than the people you desire to help and change. So my life was changed. I came back from the mission field. And then uh, all I wanted to talk about was missions. And then that last box got checked. And here we are today. <laughs> Um, so I, I don't know if that was the total man for Patsy, um, but you know, we use that terminology and talk about those kind of things. So today we want to look at the parable of the perfect father because he definitely is perfect and we can learn some things from him. So here's the first thing, you know, this parable of the perfect father, as you see up on the screen, the father there is running toward his prodigal son and, uh, and he is welcoming his son back home. Like he's so excited to see his son and so excited to welcome him back home. And uh, this is one thing that I've always loved about that parable is how the father ran to the son when he came back home. Now, if you know about the culture of that day, you would even know why that's even more significant than we realize so here's something that I researched about the culture. I can't pronounce the man's name that, uh, that gave this, but here's what he said. He said, I wish you were dead. The prodigal son was saying to his father when he asked for his shared inheritance. So this is a, a man that researched this, and I, I got two of them you know, to make sure we just don't go with one. When the prodigal son went to his father and asked for the inheritance, in that culture, it was the same thing as saying, I wish you were dead, Father, which uh, is pretty severe. And then here's what Kenneth Bailey, a New Testament scholar who spent over 15 years in the Middle East, he asked all sorts of people in that part of the world what it meant for a son to request his inheritance while the father was still alive and well. And the answer was always the same. The son wanted his father dead. And so you understand uh, that this parable, as it's been taught and preached for years, it's mainly focused on the son because of the, the thing that he did. But there's so much more that we can learn when we focus on the father. And especially when you understand how insulting it was for the son to ask his father for his inheritance while he was still alive. So Jesus comes to the earth, and we know the Bible says that Moses brought the law, but Jesus, he brought grace and truth. So Jesus comes to the earth, and he tells the story of the prodigal to the Jewish people who grew up with very strong culture and customs along with growing up under the law. And so we know that if you broke the law, there were consequences, there were do's and don'ts, and if you did something you shouldn't do, there were consequences, etc. So now Jesus is here, and he's on the earth, and he's telling this story 
about the prodigal father to a group of people that grew up under you know the law they grew up under their culture and customs and so it was extremely different for this group of people to hear about this kind of a father and so we can learn because really what Jesus was doing when he told this story to to the Jewish people uh, the Jewish people knew the God of the Old Testament they knew the God that gave the law they knew the consequences of breaking the law now Jesus is presenting the Heavenly Father to them Jesus brought grace and truth and Jesus is now presenting the Heavenly Father to a group of people that did not know this kind of a father and so we can look and say well what is the total man what is a perfect father you know what 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 do we have or what can we learn that we could go up another level in our fathering and so we're gonna look at just really two things today that can help us okay so here's the first one that we see in this parable about our Heavenly Father and number one he's approachable and uh, Luke 15 and verse 11 to illustrate a point further Jesus told this story a man had two sons the younger son told his father I want my share of your inheritance now before you die so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons so uh, there's you know as severe as something like this was in that culture you'd have to say that this father was approachable the fact that the son felt safe enough to approach his father and even request this and so when we think about being approachable I think about myself and fathering and I think about some of the things that maybe I did that caused me not to be as approachable as I could be sometimes uh, we have to come to this place where our our ethnic background doesn't control doesn't supersede Christ and Christianity culture and so I grew up Italian you know and now I've never one time whenever anyone ever asked me like where are you from and what are you I've never one time ever said I'm American because I my mother was from Italy and my dad's parents were from Italy and I always said I was Italian and so I, I'm right now presently 63 years old and I don't I've never said to anyone I was American that I could remember I always say I'm Italian because the Italian culture is pretty strong and it was dominant in our house growing up so I always related to being Italian so when we grow up and you know the culture that we grow up can be so strong that that's the way we think and that's what we relate to and so I thought more Italian and I related to Italian more than I did American and so we all we all have to admit and sometimes it's good to examine what did we grow up under and how has that formed us so Jesus is ministering and and he you know he's ministering to the Hebrew the Jews and they grew up and they were formed under culture and under the law uh, so so we always want to think about ourselves what did I grow up under how was I formed what what did that do to me because you have to identify it first in order to make a change if you don't even recognize it or identify it you really can't change 
so even then there's the culture out in the world then there's a culture that Hollywood presents and every so our ethnic culture the worldly culture and Hollywood every so often they get it right I mean there's some movies that Hollywood have made and you know they're touching and you cry and they portray a father sometimes and it actually is a blessing because they portrayed a father correctly and it touches you and you end up crying and so there there are times that these groups like ethnic uh, world the world out there Hollywood they can portray something right but anytime that it is portrayed wrongly we toss it out and we stay with Bible culture and uh, so what we some of the things that made me less approachable because of how I grew up, you know, and what I saw from my, in, in the house that I grew up and, uh, and the way that my father may have been or what you see, then you can change those things. So here's what some things I've, I did. Uh, there's times that I didn't take time to sit and listen to my daughters. And, uh, and so, you know, like you're not as approachable if you do not take the time and you're you have to be willing to sit and listen. There's things that I did. I cut my daughters off while they were talking, either to correct them or to finish their sentence. You know, and I, you know, I hear somebody laughing out there. They can relate to that. So I, I've, done, I've done cutting off, not letting them finish their sentences. I sounded angry if they wanted to do something I disagreed with. And uh, I found out with both of our daughters, they, everyone's so different, but sometimes anger has a greater effect on one than the other, depending on how they're, they're constructed. So I've sounded angry before. These are things that cause them not, to, uh, cause me not to be approachable and cause them to not want to approach me the way they would have. And then I tried, uh, I tried talking them out of a lot of things. Uh, and so sometimes if you always try to talk somebody out of something, then they don't really want to present that thing to you. So th those are some of the things I did. And I, but by looking into the Word and what the Bible says, I can make changes and I can make myself more approachable. Because fathers, it's good when we're approachable. So here's a solution, some of the things that we can do to be more approachable. Here's the first one is we can take time to listen. And my, my father, you know, and, and he's with the Lord, and I, and I tell you, once I got saved, I didn't remember one bad thing that he did. So even though I'm saying this, it, it has no effect on me. As soon as I got saved uh, and had the love of God come on the inside, my love for my father just exploded. But my father liked to read the newspaper, which I don't even know if newspapers are popular any longer. But he, you know, it's just common that he's reading the newspaper, and he would read it for hours. I, I mean... He read probably the whole newspaper, the obituaries. I mean, my, my father, after he got saved, he used to go to funeral homes to witness. I mean, he almost like had a ministry. He would read the obituaries, and if he even thought he knew someone, he would go there, and he would share the Lord with people, at the, which was great. But he loved to read the newspaper. But it was hard to get any kind of conversation with him when he was reading the newspaper. And then we have, you know, television that can pull us away, like our favorite series. And maybe sometimes our children want to have a really heart-to-heart -heart talk, but we, we don't have time to listen. And then uh, when, they, when we do allow them to talk, uh, we want to allow them to finish their sentences. And then we, of course, this is what I, I don't, I don't want to sound angry when I respond to them. I want to keep anger out of my voice. And then lastly, uh, it's, you can actually ask questions 
instead of trying to talk them out of things, even some ask questions, and you can go some places by asking questions, and sometimes uh, the answers, they come up with the answers because of questions asked. So these are some things that can help us to be more approachable. Here's the second thing I noticed in this parable, and we're going to read a few more verses, and that's that God loves us, the Heavenly Father loves us more than all else. So no matter what else, I mean, when I say all else, I mean all else. He loved us above everything. So let's read these verses in Luke 15 and verse 18. It says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His father said to him, Father, I mean, I'm sorry, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring me the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the fatted calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. And so we're just going to take all of those verses and we're going to pull some things out that can help us. I want to say uh, that if you, the things we're going to share, if you haven't been perfect as a father in these things, don't be discouraged because after we share these, we're going to give some practical things for some of the things we've done wrong. What can we do to turn it around, to, to fix it, to bring restoration? So stay with us as we talk about some of these things. So, because when we look at the Heavenly Father, it can always make us feel like, I could have done that better. But thank God we can look at Him, and thank God we have something that we see that can help us to do better. So here's the first thing I noticed from these verses, that the, the Heavenly Father, this Father, chose to love His Son more than their culture. And we'll say something, this is closely related, this next one. The Father chose to love His son regardless of embarrassment in front of family or friends and so because of culture and when somebody you know growing up if a child does something cross-cultural and especially an ethnic family it brings embarrassment not just on the parents but even sometimes on the relatives and th this would happen there in the old days but what ha what we see here is this father chose not to let the culture be greater than the love that he had for his son. His love was greater for his son than it was for the culture. So I, I see that with the Heavenly Father, that love, the Bible says, is the greatest. And God's love in us for other people, and especially our children, can be greater than anything else. So I'm sure that there was pressure here. I'm sure once his son left and took the money, 
and was gone. I'm sure a family member may have said, yeah, so what about your son? How's it going? You know, and then, you know, he, we had the brother, the self-righteous brother. He probably said a few things to turn his father against the, the, you know, the stray, his stray brother. I'm sure the self-righteous brother put little comments in there along the way. Family, friends, culture, trying to crash in. But if you notice here, this father was waiting for his son to return. And this father did not lose one ounce of love for his son, even though the son did something embarrassing and terrible. This is what we see when we look at God and his love. So here's some benefits uh, that we know. This next one is a benefit uh, because of the way the father reacted. So we could say the father's reaction to the son's request kept the door open for the son's return. Now we're going to talk, you know, if there's anything that we've done opposite of that, there's something we can do now, and we'll talk about that later. But this father, it's almost like he was thinking ahead to weeks. He was looking down the road weeks and years ahead. And so the way that he reacted to his son and the way that he continued his son down the road, and there's really no recording on how long it took for the son to return, but he was planning for the future by loving today. You know, when we love today, it actually can set us up for the future. And so he loved his son then, when his son, he loved his son immediately, he continued to love his son, and he was actually setting things up to, uh, for a good ending in the future. And so this is what we see, that his, his reaction kept, we could say it kept the door open. So here's another thing we see with the father. This is once the father, once the son returned, okay, the son, uh, he, he, the father didn't say, like, I told you so, you know, and, and aren't we tempted to do I told you so's. Uh, the father didn't beat him for the financial loss he incurred. I mean, think about it, like if you, like, think about that, like for us, you know, now it, it uh, you know, when you get older and you gather wealth and then you actually take your wealth and you give it to your child and your child goes and loses, they blow all that wealth. I mean, if you really take a little time to think about that, when the son came home, the father probably, you know, if you just like operate in the flesh, you'd probably want to punch him really hard because we would think we worked so hard for all of that money, and you went and blew it with sinful living. This is what you call really love, amazing love, isn't it? So he, you know, he didn't say, I told you so. He didn't, he didn't keep uh, beating on him. But here's what he did. He, first of all, and we see this here, he ran to him in that culture, an older man running that way, from what I studied, is uh, offensive. So when Jesus told this story, it was mind-boggling to the Jews for a number of reasons. 
First of all, the son approached the father, you know, and asked. The father gave, and the father continued to love. Uh, all of that stuff is, but then this is also, this would be mind-boggling in the culture if, if an older man running is offensive. Like Jesus was making a point when he told this story you know the God of the Old Testament, but I'm presenting a heavenly Father to you, the God of the New Testament, the gracious, merciful, loving Father. And so the Father runs to the Son after he blew all of his money and embarrassed him in front of the family. He ran to him with open arms. He kissed him. So we could say the next one is the Father forgave him instantly. There was like instant forgiveness. So this is like, these are things that we see that, that's why it's the parable of the perfect father. And isn't it awesome that us that know Jesus as Lord, we have the love of God shed abroad on our heart, in our hearts, and we can love this way because we have God in us. So if, if, if we've done things that don't reflect the heavenly father, is there anything we can do to turn it around? And there's a few things that we, we can do. So I'm sure there's many, but I, did, I didn't want to be here all day. So here's a few. Like, here's the first thought. Love covers a multitude of sin. So if we haven't done everything right initially, there's always love today. And actually, this, this came into my heart, uh, this, this next statement it just came right into my heart and I typed it when it came. Today's love can erase the memories of yesterday's scorn. You know, and, and so that's another way to say it. love covers a multitude of sins. So if we were scornful when we shouldn't have been scornful previously, today's love can erase those memories if we choose to just let love flow out of us. So when we talk about love, it's just not a theory. Love it's demonstrated uh, with words and deeds. You know, so like uh, Italians are expressive with, you know, they like to hug. Italians are huggers. Andy likes to hug. He's a Papua New Guinean. We, we hug each other a lot. <laughs> now, Patsy's uh, cheeky. When we, were, when we lived in Italy, there was a, an unusual Italian guy there that didn't like, you know, you kiss, you do this kiss thing, you touch cheeks and you make this noise, but you don't really let the lips, but then there are some Italian guys, they put their lips there and they kiss you. That was a little too much for me. But I did the other thing with the cheek. I, you know, you touch cheeks and go like that, and then you do it on both sides, you know, and do that. The Swiss people do it three times. They go bump, bump, and then bump again. So, it's, you know, expressive with a lot of hugging. So we were in Italy nine and a half years, and then we went to Singapore for four years. And after nine and a half years in Italy, you get used to greeting people a certain way. So my first day in Singapore, I went up the stairs to an office of a pastor. He was helping us get registered, you know, doing all the legal work to get registered in Singapore. And, I, and it's my first time meeting him, and I go up the stairs, and his wife's there, and I immediately go to him, and I, I, I give him the, the Italian treatment, and he, he kind of goes like this. And the next time I saw him, when I was coming toward him, he went like that. And it was like, 
keep your distance, buddy. <laughs> so we're all, you know, we all, our cultures are all different, you know. And um, so, but with all that said with the Italians, you know, hugging and all of that kind of stuff, it's an emotional thing. But then did you ever get an Italian mad? Because the same way they express love, they can express anger, you know. So when we talk about God's love, it's more than emotion. It's just not, it doesn't go up and down. It's like so consistent. So, you know, if you make an Italian mad, you know, especially in Sicily where the mafia is, watch out, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, with God, what we see here is this boy did something that could have really made the father mad, but Jesus was painting a picture of love that wasn't based upon God's love doesn't take any kind of consideration on how it is what comes at the love no matter how God's love is treated it responds back the same way all the time so it isn't about emotions it isn't about what somebody did to me somebody did to you and how they treated you if you have God's love you respond back the same way all the time and so this is what we see in this parable so the last thing that we'll say today, like when we talk about, well, demonstrating love and, uh, in words and deeds, and then the last thing is choose to never bring the past up again. You know, it's interesting how this father, he could have said a lot of things to the son. His son knelt down and said, forgive me, I've sinned. And, you know, thank God that he recognized that he sinned. But the father quickly picked him up. He hugged him. He said, go kill the fatted calf and let's throw a party. And I am willing to bet that he never brought anything up to his son again. And I know that the Heavenly Father, when we go to him and confess something, he never reminds us about it again. It's something we did, we confess it, he forgives us, and he never reminds us about that again. So when I think about fathering i see that these kind of things they've helped me they'll continue to help me and i believe that they can help all of us uh, as fathers so let's pray father i thank you so much for everyone today father thank you for giving us the example you gave us in the prodigal son your love is unchanging heavenly father you love the world while the world was still in sin. That's the kind of father you are. Today as we are in this room together, you are loving everyone unconditionally. You love your children today. You love your children that haven't acted like your children. You love people in this room that would be here today and they don't know you as Lord. At this moment, they're not saved or Christians as we say. You love them. You love the world while the world still was in sin. So Lord, I thank you that you can speak to hearts supernaturally and that you're speaking to anyone here today that they don't have you as a heavenly father 
they've never confessed Jesus as their Lord and they don't have a heavenly father thank you Lord for speaking to their hearts today thank you for letting them know that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to lose thank you for letting them know that they need a savior that religion doesn't save good works do not save us church membership doesn't save us but only a personal relationship with Jesus and confessing Jesus as Lord is the way we're saved I thank you for making that really clear in people's heart that they know without a shadow of a doubt they need Jesus Christ as their Savior. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brand.org.au.